Hello, people of the void. Thank you so much for coming back to Fairy Tale, Folklore, and Fuckery. This is one of the very last episodes I will be recording, and this week, the final country is going to be on El Salvador. So let's just jump right in. First off, top three things I've learned about El Salvador through some research is... Number one, El Salvador is home to the oldest capital city in Central America. This capital city is called San Salvador, and it has been there since 1524 when Pedro de Alberto invaded El Salvador and founded San Salvador. He was a Spanish conquistador sent by Hernan Cortes from Mexico. It has since then remained a Spanish colony for over 300 years. The second fun fact I learned is that they have the best coffee beans in the entire world and they are number four of the largest coffee producer ever. And number three, El Salvador's nickname is actually called the Land of Volcanoes because they have over 100 volcanoes and around 20 of them are still actually active, which is kind of scary and I don't know if I would be living near them at all. But those are just some of the fun facts about El Salvador. So every single episode, I've managed to find some sort of nonprofit for each of these countries. Well, for El Salvador, I actually couldn't find one, but I did find a really cute, genuine story called 50 Years of Folktales, Folklorama's El Salvador Pavilion. So this story is about a girl named Jasmine Romero, who really grew up in Canada and was an immigrant from El Salvador. And then in Canada, they have a little folklorama um, for each of the different countries. She describes how at 17 she really wanted to be a part of the dancing and all the festivities and she finally got her parents to be on board and once she started it she really truly loved it. But the woman who founded it was Priscilla Gomez and when she came into Canada they actually didn't have a folklorama for El Salvador at all and she was wondering why not and this would be so much fun for El Salvador to and a folklorama is actually just a celebration of culture and heritage and such. So it was really sad that they didn't have one yet. And so when she became involved, she started to participate and create it into what it is today. And they have everything from food to dance to music. It's such a tradition for them now in Canada. It's really something that represents the personalities and the colorful country that they came from. This week's fairy tale is called El Cadejo, which actually is about a story of two huge dogs, one with black fur and the other one with white, representing good and evil. And this reminds me of the book series, The Tale for Good and Evil, which is also a huge fairy tale book. This story kind of reminds me of a fairy tale, even though it's necessarily more like a folk tale. So the black dog is one that wanders alone at night and his red hot coal eyes hypnotize his victims and then he steals their soul from just staring at it. Whereas the white dog is there to provide protection and service for his faithful believers, but especially for children. And sometimes people at night see a brawl that break out between the two souls where the white Cadejo has appeared to help a drunk wanderer safely home. Some versions of this legend say that the gods created the white dog because they saw how mortal humans get in trouble in everyday life or just have accidents or fall or wander off so much. He was created to protect them and their goodwill and good faith on earth. But then the devil got jealous and was like, hell no, I need something on earth to wreak havoc so he created the black dog and obviously it was there to counteract every single thing of the white dog. The whole moral of the story is that people tell this to the children at night so they don't wander away from home. 
The folk tale today is about La Siguanaba, which is actually known in Honduras as La Suga and in Costa Rica as Sigua. And this actually means in Nahuatl, beautiful woman. In El Salvador, this legend was originally called Sayuit. This legend says that she obviously used her charms and her wealth to help get a prince and Yasun to marry her. Yasun went to war and Sayuot took this time to have all these affairs with all of these different women. And during this time, he birthed a child known as El Cipito. El Cipito's father was a god called Lucero de la Mama, Lucifero or Lucifer Morningstar. Now, obviously there's different legends for different countries and different places. So some versions say that the father of Lucero de la Mana discovered the Seyuot, would leave his grandson alone, and when that would happen, he would curse her so she was first seen as beautiful, and then when she turned around, she had a horse face, a literal horse face. And she was cursed to wander the countryside, preying on men that sleep around. Most of this is in Spanish, and most of this I cannot pronounce, so I do apologize if I cannot, if I am mispronouncing these things. But anyway, so men would often see her naked and running through the fields and then follow her and then of course she would turn around and then kill them. Other versions say that the Seiwot's affair with El Lucero de la Mana was an insult to the god of gods to look. And Seiwot decided to get help from a witch to poison Yesun, of course to give it to El Lucero de la Mana, and all during this time it was going to take place during a festival to kill him. So Yesun drinks the poison, but it doesn't go well, and instead of dying, he turns into a giant two-headed monster and kills everyone in the festival. Even the guards at the event couldn't get the monster under control, but Finally, they manage to kill him towards the end. Yasun's father finds out what happened and of course begs Tilak to avenge his son because obviously he just died from a horrible death. And then Tulak was already out to get Lucero, so now he takes his chance to finally do it. And he curses Siwat's son, Sibito, to live forever and turns his feet backwards, which is such a disgusting thought. Can you imagine your feet backwards? Would you be walking backwards all the time then? Like, even if your back is to a different way, or your front's a different way, like, everybody would be speaking to your back. But anyway, so he turns his feet backwards and turns Sewot into La Segubuna, which of course means hideous woman. And again, I do apologize for the mispronunciations. As we were saying earlier, as she roams the countryside and roams the fields, if a man manages to catch up to her and touches her, they go insane, which leads them to obviously death. But in the Guatemalan version of the legend, she says she was a young woman who was forced to marry a man 40 years older than her, and that man cursed her, turning her into La Segubuna. And in order to save themselves, these men must either bite their cross or medalla, or they could pull her hair and scare her into running away. But here's the thing, if you touch her, you turn insane, so how are they able to pull her hair? That doesn't really quite make sense, but this is part of the legend. Or they could yell, you are not leaving crabgrass, Maria. No te vas a ir, Maria, pata de gallina. And even other legends state that you have to bite a machete to save themselves from her wrath. Which is kind of crazy because machete is a sword. I thought it was... I guess it's not too crazy because they should have it on them at all times if they're like a guard or something like that. This tale actually kind of reminded me of a similar tale that we talked about in Grenada called La Diblese or Devil Woman. 
because it just talks about a woman that lures them in, but instead of a horse face, she has a uh, cow hoof. That was my little, that was my little food for thought for the day. But if you haven't heard that, go listen to my podcast and you'll probably find it in one of the episodes. And finally, the fucked up tale of La La Girona. This poor, sad ghost woman can be heard crying, of course, across the riverbanks at night, looking for any children to lure into her path. She does this because she's trying to get back at a man she once loved that, of course, chose another woman. And in revenge, she chose to drown her own children. But when she did, she obviously realized how fucked up that was, and she drowned herself with them. And in the afterlife, she was sent back to Earth to find her children and gain their forgiveness. And now she's trapped between the living world and the spirit world, and she wanders around crying out for her children to come in hopes of getting them to forgive her so she can go back into the night. But instead, she also isn't afraid to take any random children to pass them off as her own and go back into the afterlife together. So those are just some of the messed up tales from El Salvador. And this week was super exciting to research because I didn't really know much about it. But thank you for listening to all of my fairy tale folklore and fuckery. And even though this is one of the very last episodes, I'll have a little bonus episode, I think, in the weeks to come that I'll just sum up everything that I've either learned or really enjoyed from this small project and I do hope that you have gotten something out of this. So thank you for listening to one of my very last episodes of Fairy Tale Folklore and Fuckery and I really hope you have enjoyed it.